Hello and welcome to a Paradise Lost podcasting channel. This is going to be episode two of. Uh, you gotta get it right. You gotta get it right. Let the good dice roll. Hey, we hey, got it right. Did it. <laughs> this is our exalted retrospective episode uh, of a two and a half long year campaign that I ran and Christina played in. Hi guys. So, um. Starting off, we're gonna we had a pretty good reception to the first episode, so we're obviously gonna keep doing this. And even if we didn't, we'd keep doing this because I like going over this, and I think that it helps uh, some of my players who did not get to see the full thing kind of understand stuff. Well, I even talked to uh, Maury and Britt, and they were just like, "Yeah, it was well." I don't think Britt got to listen to it yet, but I'm pretty sure Maury did. I know mm -hmm. one of them got to listen to it, and the other one didn't. But it was really interesting talking to them because they're like, it's going to be really cool to hear this because we've heard the stories, but now we get to actually listen to you guys talk about it and get a better idea of it mm -hmm. in a secular order. I think yep. that's the word I'm looking for. In a, in a sequential order. Thank you. As opposed to um, hearing everything out of context or out of order and out of context, which was something that kind of... Did bite at least one of my players in the ass um, during role play later on. Sunny? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that did happen. So. We'll worry about that when we we're gonna, way get to that. When we way, get way, to that. Way, uh, way, way, out, way in the future. Um, so we're going to. We're going to really cut a lot of the priming stuff out of the way, but we wanted to go over a couple systems that. We're not going to spend 40 minutes this time We're not going to spend 40 it. minutes talking about stuff and not actually get to the session. Uh, but I just figured maybe not every single time we do this, but every so often as it comes up, and I feel like explaining a little bit about certain things will help people understand it. For some people who are don't really know Exalted or just want to learn more about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Three of the things that I quickly wanted to touch on were intimacies, what essence is, and charms. Okay. Um, because I think those are very important, and I know intimacies, because we're going to try and get through three sessions this time around. We'll see At if that happens. Sessions. We're going to see if that happens. We'll find out. Um, I know intimacies come up. Essence in general is just kind of an important thing or so are charms. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to start with either one of those or not okay so essence is the measure of how powerful that an exalt is um essence has technically three different uses it's um peripheral essence personal personal essence and then your actual essence score um i'll go about, i'll actually talk about that in reverse order so your actual essence score is determined by how much XP that you have spent total, which means that... Okay, I'm not going to get into the mechanics of it. Backtracking just a second. Um, your personal essence score basically measures how powerful that your exalt is and how and what charms that you can pick up outside of a specific set. Um, because solars get uh, supernal abilities. Yes. Supernal abilities basically means that you get to ignore the essence requirement for one type of charm. So you could do a supernal of brawl, which means you can pick up the whole brawl tree at level one if you wanted to. If you really wanted to. Um, you and like so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But normally you are limited by you your could, essence score. Yeah, if you're an essence one solar, you can only pick up essence one charms of. Whatever your whatever is not your supernal, so like uh, I'll just use my character since the easiest to do for me. Uh, Storm was a supernal martial arts, so I could have picked up the whole snake style tree if I really wanted to. You could have also um, picked up multiple other martial. Yeah, arts. that's true. Um, but for say uh, brawl, whatever it's the first thing that came to my head because you mentioned it, uh, I could only pick up essence one ranked charms in that tree. Right. So, peripheral and personal essence. Personal essence is a smaller pool, but when you use it, you can choose not to 
Flare Your Anima Banner, which is something that we talked about uh, last time. time. Peripheral Essence is a much larger pool, but when you use Peripheral Essence, unless, of course, you have charms that let you... uh, Like Nightcast and some other stuff. Yep. It's almost always going to flare your uh, Anima Banner. It's basically the energy that you can pull in from the world around you. Yeah, once you hit a certain amount there's like a scale for it of using peripheral essence it'll start to flare animal banner more until you go supernova so to speak so using that as a jumping off point because we've already kind of talked about it charms are the special abilities of exalted um they get complicated um ridiculous and ridiculous and crazy and very crazy. Um, in third edition, they're very heavy on. Here's your damage charm. Here's like three different charms that do dice tricks to up your damage charm. So here's like, another damage. So charm. like, cool. You ro- rolled five sixes. Reroll those sixes. Right. Exactly. Or you. Or nines count as doubles. Or. Um, the ones from your enemy role uh, don't negate your stuff, or yeah. like like it gets into very weird minutia that and you gotta keep track of it. And you have to keep track of it. Um, not the problem with third edition real uh, really does lie in the charms, and if the uh, if the storyteller is not intimately aware of what most of his player his or her sorry his or her players charms do um gets a little complicated it it gets a little complicated things can bog down really quickly with that and it's a very it's a system that's a lot of moving parts um i feel like that there's a lot of good in this system compared to first and second edition which were very Perfect defense oriented. Uh, perfect alpha. attack. Perfect defense. There's perfect a lot of attack, alpha strikes defense. that happen. You don't get a lot of those. Uh, one of the um, one of the um, th- one of the inspirations for Exalted is literally kung fu films, but in most kung fu films, you don't see like the dude runs in and just. Alpha strikes the boss, and then he's down. There's a there's a lot of give and take. Th- third edition is a tête-à-tête back and forth, especially with initiative. Initiative is, plays a heavy role in third because it can shift. And I don't. We never talked. We never talked about combat at all. I mean, it doesn't really come up for a while. It does the bandit raid. I mean, yeah, but I don't have a lot of notes on that, and we kind of slaughtered them outright pretty quickly, so... so... I'm going to just go over real quick. I, I know we were going to just keep it to three things, but I'm going to go over a fourth thing here. Um, we didn't even go over intimacies yet. Not yet, but we're, I'm going to go over combat because it's a nice jumping-off point from Charms. Okay. I'm cutting this off at 15 minutes, though. Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, so... Combat is basically you do, uh, you have two different kinds of strikes. You have withering strikes, which take initiative away from the opponent and give you initiative. And then you have decisive strikes, which use your initiative as, uh, as the damage pool for attacking someone. The basic idea is, is that the initiative value that you have versus someone else is how off balance or on balance and pushing the attack that they have on you. Yeah, so you want to get your initiative up high and then do a nice decisive blow. The only thing that kind of blows after that is uh, your initiative gets reset. But there are charms that allow you to reset that. In Normally the reset is back down to three, but there are charms that allow you to either negate that entirely or bring it up to five or seven. Um, there's a lot of minutiae to go over. It's an it's an interesting system that I think that if everyone knows what they're doing and the storyteller knows what that they're doing and what everyone else is doing, it can flow really well. But if people don't know, um, it can get bogged down very quickly. 
feel free to look more into it. We might talk about it more later. But like I said, we're trying to keep this down so we can talk more about the actual sessions instead of, you know, sort of the and finally, physics of it all. Something that's going to take us at least the next five minutes to talk about is intimacies. I don't think it's going to take us five minutes if we do this quickly. Okay, so intimacies are were originally a new concept in second edition that no one really fucking cared about. They weren't important, but they, they were. They weren't, but they were important. They were they're very, they're nice ways to describe what your character is about. They're also nice ways for the GM to fuck with you. Yeah. Which gets used a lot in this campaign to fuck with certain people. Yes, it does. Everybody actually. Um so what that they are is they're how they're basically how that your character acts. And you treat it like you would a normal person. Um, people are hypocritical and act certain ways in certain situations. Because of certain things that they've either gone through in their life or learned or Because of or certain stimuli. And acting on an intimacy can give you a bonus. Uh, it's especially important in social combat, which unfortunately this game did not do a whole lot of after I, a certain point. Yeah, after a certain point we didn't. After I was a certain say, point we didn't. There was a lot of times where I social food the fuck out of some people. Mm -hmm. But that's just because for some weird goddamn reason I was really good at reading NPCs and figuring out how to ping on them. Which mm -hmm. I do heavily on that one NPC that we don't get to for a while. But, like, social combat is totally a thing. You can completely just negate someone's entire willpower pool with social combat and just make them your your bitch yeah uh um, do you want to give examples because i can go through mine i don't remember a lot of everybody else's so if you want to give some examples of what storm was about so storm as much as she was a lovely little murderer assassin spy master she was very protective of children and that was because she was the oldest of five siblings. And uh, going just a smidge into her backstory, uh, she lived, grew up in Lookshine. Her parents disappeared, I think, when I think she was like 10 or 18 I made her. I don't remember how old mm -hmm. she was. Uh, when she was about... She wasn't, she wasn't super 13. old. I want to say was, it was 13. She wasn't super old when it happened. And so because of that, you have four younger siblings... So she became the mom. She became an assassin for hire. She trained. She took people out and took care of her younger siblings. So she's always had a soft spot for kids and her siblings. So she had an intimacy that was like a motherly nature. Um, specifically more towards kids, but like in a g kind of general sense. Um, which actually comes up if we can get to that part within these three sessions. Uh, she had an intimacy towards her siblings. She was fiercely fucking protective of them. Um, and her defining intimacy was that she would not intentionally bring harm to an innocent child, if I remember the wording correctly on yep. it. It was a very specific wording for a reason. No, it was... Um, I might actually have, like... I want to say that the intimacy was actually... Uh, seeing the harm of an intimacy uh, of an of a child. I think it was seen to be. Uh, ha! Here we go. Seeing intentional harm come to an innocent child. Not you, but that's a different. But that's different from you intentionally harming an yeah, innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just happen to have my old Godbound character sheet on me right now, because <laughs> since we're talking about this shit. Um, but yeah, she. Uh, it was, it was stuff like that. And you can gain intimacies as you do things, like if you roleplay a certain way or interact with a certain character. Like, she eventually had a lunar mate that she had a fierce protection over, and that became one of her intimacies. And it wasn't something she started out with because and the character also, didn't exist at the beginning. Also, not roleplaying a certain way. The GM can basically go, yeah, that, in that intimacy degrades because you're not yeah. following it. She also didn't like, drink alcohol. So, like, one of the things that, uh, so as a GM, I believe that I mentioned, uh, Limit and the Great Curse last, last You did thing. bring it up a little bit, yep. Um. And we're crouching on that 15-minute mark, too. Um, so basically, acting against the intimacy, you have a limit role that 
basically you have to do, and if you succeed, this is one of the few times you don't want to succeed, you gain uh, points of limit. And if then, you go to ten, which no one ever somehow did. I made it to seven. You made it close, but I've heard games where that in three sessions people have a limit break. Um, so basically there are ways for the GM to kind of define, help get their idea of what this character is about and also like kind of mess with them, but it also gives bonuses. Yeah. So you can use an intimacy for your benefit to like justify an action you have. One of the best intimacies that a character had in this game, hands down, was Wayward Son, a major intimacy of... Not sure if we're the bad guys or not. We were totally the bad guys. Oh, we were totally <laughs> the bad guys. We did everything. They did everything for the greater good. But in the end, that's like Lex Luthor saying that he did everything for the greater good. To be fair, some of us were better than others and more, more of a moral cub that pointed a little more north and south. Uh, once it, once it, Craig and John left the game, that game went hard like Murder Hobo. I was always a Murder Hobo. That game went hard Murder Hobo because you became in charge of the game. Okay, I, so... It was only because I was the only character who had played for so long and it was basically like, here guys, here's all the information. And once that happened, it was like, I was just, there's the inter- information filter to be like, Hey, I know what this shit means. I know who this person is. Here's information. And I took a little bit of kind of a backseat role and was trying to let them make decisions before I gave input because I didn't want to take a lot of the headway You, you on didn't it. want to take the reins from everyone else. Yeah, who... it was. it didn't seem fair at that mm-hmm. point because like, I, I had very distinct decisions to make about very distinct things, so I just kind of gave my input when it was... At the same time, it also felt... Um... This is just me giving you the, the GM heads up. It also felt like that you were hiding stuff from people. Well, I was pretty upfront with everybody. You were pretty upfront with people, but there were certain things that like people would try to talk to you about, and you would like, like what? The, um, a lot of the bigger plot elements, actually. Like what? Um, the, I'm curious. The huh? maiden was a very um. Fuck her! Fuck her! The Maiden, um, and The Running of Sunshade. Oh, that's because I didn't want to make them deal with The Running of Sunshade. (laughs) Nobody wanted to run a city. Nobody wanted to run a city, but at the same time, like, a lot of other people felt like they, like, they wanted to help but didn't get the opportunity to. Yeah, well, it's good to know in hindsight. Or then you had, um, things like... Uh, Sonny, who comes in way later in the game, who basically not worshipped you, but you were basically the queen. (sighs) And so everybody else kind of followed his lead. Uh, This is a thing everybody needs to learn. I don't like being seen as like a regal figure in any game I play. Any LARP. Any tabletop. I don't like being seen as the queen. And it comes up so fucking often. It's stupid. kind of do take charge of the social aspect of things. Even it's, when you try not to. It's because I can do it? I don't know. Don't give me a reason to try and think of why. You were the most, you were the most social character once we, once John and Craig left. Because everybody else was new to the game, didn't want to take the social didn't lead. want to take the so the, didn't want to take didn't necessarily want to take the social cues but didn't want to fuck up and have suddenly the whole town against them <sighs> whatever okay so what, are we, <laughs> what what what's the minute count right now too high too, too high, high past 15 okay so it's like ni- oh just over 19 session two yeah so session two was on a lovely Sunday in November, the 27th of 2016. Yeah. Joe was not there. That's all I gotta say about that. So Visionary was not there. Yeah, Visionary was not there. He was off doing things that we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to And I can't later. wait to get to that. Uh, so looking over my notes, uh, the first thing I have written down is that we oathed Tepit Diego. 
basically, Seeker being Seeker, kind of social food him a little bit and got him to be basically an unwilling ally of ours, even though he worked for the realm. And so he tenuously, after getting oathed, was our ally. Yay. And because Visionary was the one who had the mask originally, and Joe wasn't there, and we didn't want a big plot item just to kind of be with a T-posing character, <laughs> uh, yeah. I ended up carrying the mask on my hip and kind of keeping it hidden a little bit. Which will not be the first time Storm does that. Um, one, uh, I have the other, I have the handwritten notes in, in my hands right now. Yeah, but, but that um, doesn't have that session on it. It doesn't? No. Session two is only written on my online well, notes. Well, shit, I guess that I'm, I'm session, relying session, on you here. Session three goes to uh, the handwritten notes. But, I mean, you can look at my phone since I don't have my laptop. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but no, it, no, no, keep going. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in when I need to. Okay. So, uh... We found a stone statue, uh, a stone sword, I'm sorry, that was part of a statue, and kind of started excavating that out of there. Uh, apparently it fell from the heaven during the Shogunate Empire. Uh, Great Calamity follows it, and we just couldn't fucking do anything with it, even with an essence cutter. Um... And um, I don't remember if I actually ever followed up on that plot point, because I, I honestly so. can't remember it. I don't think so. Um, uh, yeah, no, I don't think I ever followed up on that plot point. Yeah. So that's just a uh, sword that just got uh, <laughs> thrown in the fridge. Um, and then we go to the main camp because, you know, Dave is our tenuous ally right now. And so he ended up getting us and handling it to get us in there because, you know, we're solars, but we look like normal people. It's fine. Uh, and then there's this lovely door that we couldn't unlock. Yeah, that was, what, at least a good ten minutes of people trying to unlock it, and yeah. then... I was sitting there, and I look over at Brendan, and I was like, Hey, Brendan, so I have this charm uh, that lets me unlock doors. <laughs> so long as they're not magical. Yeah, which I think it has a magic... Uh, you can eventually get a upgrade that makes it so you can unlock magical doors... Or, like, you have to roll a certain thing to be able to open magical doors. I can't remember the charm I specifically. I want to say that there's an upgrade that unlocks magical doors. Basically, the idea was originally I wanted you guys to go around and get a little bit more information from the uh, from the crew that was gotcha. hanging out there. Uh, and find, eventually, the, uh, the thing that opened up that door. Yeah. But, so the boys are sitting trying to figure out, I think they tried to, like, manhandle their way into the situation, and I'm just like, I got this charm. Can I roll for it? And you're like, sure. And, uh, I opened the door. <laughs> I just went up and was like, just pushed the door open, and they're all just like, what the fuck? And, uh, there was just stale air that came out, and it was just a long hallway. So, at the time, we weren't sure what it was. We thought it was Seeker's Mons, because... I think it actually was Seeker's Mons because the rest of Sunshade actually does rise up from the ground. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I have a map of it because who the fuck remembers why I had a map of it? But I, had um, a map I think for that you it. actually found it in the first session. Um, Maybe. It's probably. Like, I just have uh, it in uh, there. Go, going through something, yeah. Probably. I go through a lot of things. Oh, uh, no, no. Seeker had been given the map of his Mons. And that's why you all were there, because you had felt a pull towards it. Oh, yeah. And I just, he just gave me the map, probably. Uh, and then we found a female Raptok. So what the you guys, so, <laughs> what the you guys found was a, um, a crystal hibernation chamber that, um. I'm nodding, but I realize people can't Someone, uh, yeah, it works great on a podcast. Right? <laughs> um. So, you all found a crystal hibernation chamber with a raptoc in it. A raptoc is a basically a giant raptor. Ah. Scree! Ah. Exactly. I don't think that was a very good raptor. That was, very, that was more like a pterodactyl. Um, so, upon one of you guys touching it, um, I want to say it was Visionary, because that was technically supposed to be Visionary's ally. I don't know. Yeah, could you hit the... Um, so... Technically, that was supposed to be Visionary's ally. But anyway, so he touched it, and the crystal thing opened up, and out comes this female Raptoc named the Baroness. 
Was that uh, the name we gave her? Did she have that? I can't remember. That was, that's the, the short version of her title. The actual, her actual title is The Baroness Who Extols the Majesty of the Lawgivers. I probably have that written somewhere, but sure. Yeah, no. Her, so, she is one of my favorite NPCs to play. She has my favorite NPC voice that I can do, like, on command. Because it's basically this... Because Brandon thinks he's terrible at voices. Yeah, but there's some voices I can do really well, and it's kind of weird. So she's basically this... No one else really noticed it besides maybe you and Wayward, but she's... We were the only ones that really interacted with her and had intimacies towards her, I think. Um, so the things that... She's basically two things rolled into one. She's a total sycophant towards her solar circle. She is a yes man to the, like, millionth degree... If you have an idea, she's going to say it's the greatest idea in the world. Even if it contradicts an idea of someone else in the circle, it does not matter to her. Yep. And she's also a crap sack genie. Which, is if you, which means that if you give her an idea, and she's at this point more powerful than most of the group. If you give her an idea, she will go off and do it. Which comes up later. Um, Very shortly later. So, her voice is basically, she comes out and she meets the rest of the Solars and she goes, Ah, yes, lawgivers, it's so great of you to have blessed me with freedom from my crystal prison. How may I serve you? Yes, that's still accurate after all these years. Yep. <laughs> She's extraordinarily subservient. She is... Okay, dog. It's time for you to get up, I guess. Alright, bye, Murph. Love you, Murph. And he does a roundabout and comes right back. Alright, we're good. Alright. To be continued. Um. But anyways, after all that shenanigans happen, we decide to do some training and move into the city. And we do this for four months so four months later um i believe that at this point um you all helped finish excavating the rest of the city or the city rose up i can't remember which because at the time i was also running a secondary game that also ran in the south but in the same universe and one of those cities rose up and i can't remember which one uh i mean we did a sorceress ritual with seeker and son uh you know leading it and uh we found out the old name of the mods which was sunshade but uh, yeah so the I old name of the... about it rising okay so then that was probably the southern game that had it rising um at some point i'm gonna just have to do an episode just talking about the, the southern game because it does which become... i will not be there for because i was not a part of it well i'll probably have you there for it just to react to the bullshit that happens that's fair um Oh, oh, also, uh, we all have a vision of the Mons from the first page. With lots of different people and a utopia for them. Uh, and then there was a terrestrial battle group that comes in and takes down the city. So we kind of got to see the last moments of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we well, found out got the name to, of the place got, is Sunshade. Yeah, so the reason that it's named Sunshade is because it's also a... Um, it's a dragon-blooded city, or at least there was a lot of dragon-blooded there. Or not dragon-blooded shit. Um, dragon kings, which is what the uh, the Baroness was. Dragon kings are basically sentient dinosaurs. I think raptor-ish. Well, no, there's also pterodactyls and ankylosaurus. She was raptor-ish. And, and uh, giant crocodiles. And there's a fifth one that I can't fucking remember. But the Baroness was raptor-ish. The, the Baroness was a raptor. <laughs> That's why my headcanon for them is always raptors. <laughs> um, so the um, so the reason that the city is named Sunshade is because that uh, dragon kings in the uh, in canon become very lazy in the sun, like lizards do, because they're cold blooded. So they like to they actually operate and do trade and stuff in the shade, thus Sunshade. 
Yeah, I'm down. I thought the name was dope. Um, let's see. What's next? So, uh, us being us, not fully trusting Diego, because like I said, tenuous ally, only Oath to, you know, help us out and shit. And as we mentioned before, Oaths are, they're binding because you'll get a curse, but you can still break it. If you're desperate enough. So basically, we decided to set a temptation trap for him with the mask and to see if we could trust him or not. And just basically found out that he still wants the mask and still wants to go home. But, you know, we're not going to give him the mask. You can leave. We're sure. But we're not giving you this mask. Fuck it. Uh, so basically, the boys decide to convince him to stay and say, fuck the realm. Uh, because he's not going home with the mask. Like, that was decided way ahead of time and so basically um, we'd... at this point since you guys had put the mask on him he was actually craving it yeah that's why he was going after it so the mask to kind of give an idea here i think um, we the talked ma- a little bit about it last time we talked a the little bit and stuff we talked a little bit about it but we didn't say exactly what it does so with it being a uh, fucking jojo reference you want to say that so early yes on? i do okay um because it's actually a really... It adds on to that fucking reference. Um, but we don't really figure out what it does for a while. You guys, so don't, you, spoil you guys it? don't figure out what it does for a while, but... Yeah, no, I kind of do, because it... um, It kind of plays into the... This is so weird for me, and I like going over the... um. Kind of, kind of the retrospective GM looking back okay, on it. that's fine. Um, so the mask being a, a fucking JoJo reference with the blood on it, the spine shoot out, and um, shit, you guys actually don't find that out until next game. I'll wait until uh, I'll wait until we get to that session. Okay, that's what I said. You want to spoil it this early? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll we'll wait until then. Uh, um, but basically, the only thing that's left for this session was, you know, we all kind of picked rooms, and uh, then we made a deal with the god of cleaning for a year and a day to keep Sunshade looking nice, and we just had to have people clean his altar to worship and empower him. That was it for session two. Yeah, session two was just mostly a social trap for Diego, and just kind of... Mons. Mons stuff, and figuring out a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the more social elements yeah. of, of the circle. Alrighty, so, session numero tres. It was on a Sunday in December. It's always going to be on a Sunday. <laughs> I can still say it if I want to. So it was on a Sunday in December. Okay. The 11th. Oh shit, the 11th. Of 2016. And uh, we start off with learning what... Visionary's true name was. It's um, Davis. Oh yeah. Davis. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, that doesn't happen yet. Okay, because Julia was there when that fucking went down. Well, we did have an argument later in this session or session four about revealing our true names. Right, no, but the true nature of Visionary does not get revealed until Julia was there. Because Julia remembers that fucking joke that Craig made. Yeah. Um, so we have to wait until then for to, yeah, to reveal this, this not great story. Be, will not be in this session. Uh, but we have a lot to get through for this third session. Um, so... The next part talks about the mask, how it, tentacles wrap around the head and dig in when blood is applied. Okay, so, finally, I can get to this part. Because now it is yes. revealed... now you're allowed the, to reveal. ...that this is clearly the stone mask from Jojo. Um, one of the other things that I'm seeing here is, is that it uses a dark version of Fate and Underworld uh, magic. Yeah, which I think I to... mentioned earlier, but maybe I didn't. You might have, but it's clear. It's it's right. It's staring me right here in the. Oh yeah, because Wayward did some research on the mask because he right. was very occult knowledgeable. Harper. <laughs> God damn that cat! She's going after my books and shit. Uh, yeah, we've been trying to stop her. And um, it happens. So, but anyway, so basically the idea is is that it makes an inversion, an, an inverted solar soul, which kind of goes against everything that I've said about. That because technically it makes an abyssal, which is technically supposed to be a shadow, and an inversion would be a uh, an infernal. 
Yeah. Um, but that's that. Those are that's the phrase that I used at the time. Yeah. But it uses a dark version of fate and underworld kind of magics. So, what that the mask does overall is it holds a exaltation for a death lord. And if it attaches onto someone who is exalted, it gives them that exaltation. It basically takes whatever their current exalted powers are and then gives them weird fate-bending powers. Fate in this world is not just, oh, you're destined to meet this lovely woman and blah, blah, blah. No, fate also is like, hey, that's how gravity works. That's how time works. Fate is also Soterials. like yeah. Fate is also basically physics in Exalted. We also know that the Dragon King lifespan is a thousand, two thousand years. That's a random side note I have in here. That is a very random side note that you have in there. I don't know um, why, but it's there. So, one of so the thing is, is that there are five, at, and then at some point there are six masks. Yes, unfortunately. Um, that all have their own different exalt or exalt name. If Diego, Tepid Diego, had gotten this mask and had it used on him, which he wanted at one point until he um, got whispers off of him, yeah, he would have become the Wanderer of Rhodes Long Dead. Which somebody else becomes later on. And then is summarily murdered, and that mask is taken back. <laughs> so, the reason that this is such a, like, Dio, stone mask, and then if you take the Wanderer, W of O, Rhodes, R, Long, L, Dead, D, Dio gets the world. His fucking stand from Stardust Crusaders. If you haven't figured it out by now, Brendan really likes JoJo. Brendan really likes JoJo. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that that exalt, if he ever uh, came around, was going to get... Uh, he was going to be the one who bothered you guys the most because he had time-stopping powers. Too bad he got murdered by someone very quickly. Yeah, well... But if, Di- but if Diego had gotten it, he would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm down to, like, one health pool. The world! Dip the fuck out. Yeah. He would have become the reoccurring bad guy. But that doesn't happen, so. <laughs> um, anyways, but we found out it did a lot of bullshit because we were experimenting with it using terrestrial blood. And we even got the Baroness to donate some Dragon King blood so that we could kind of see what happened, how it would react if it was, like particular blood that it reacted to uh but it seemingly kind of reacted in the same manner to different types of blood so we ended up putting it in a vault that we had which visionary decided to take it out afterwards without letting any of us know about it uh and then you know the baroness led us to the hearthstone room we attuned to the monst and you know sunshade was ours awesome cool well, that night, everyone had a very similar dream about the last fight at Sunshade. And granted, it kind of skipped around a little bit, but we were winning until this loud male voice gives this little speech. I don't remember all of the speech, but we kind of felt a sorcerer um, working. And The speech is something along the lines of, you have betrayed your creator's... Um, you have betrayed your creator's intent. You cause nothing but ruin. I am here to fix that. This is too long ago for me to remember. I'm going to take your word on it, because that's probably right. I could pull up the notes from that. No, wait, no, that laptop is dead. No, I can't. Oh, all we got are my notes then for right now, I guess. Um, but yeah, we just we could feel a sorcerer working, and then we see this metal, uh, it was a soul steel metal floating island of sorts, and it basically... It's a laser beamed us and we could feel our skin peeling and burning off so that was that was great dream great thing to wake up to um and so wayward talked to his uh spirit i put air quote around spirit at the time um because we didn't fucking know what was going on at the time 
uh, after he has this dream, and he has apparently the spirit's instrument, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out the spirit's name was Delilah. Yes, his artifact was a, because he's a bard, it was a constantly changing... Um, musical instrument? Musical instrument. Yeah. Uh, we found out the spirit's name was Delilah, and uh, she manifested because he was screaming after the dream. And then she asked him if he had found the opera house yet. And huh, here's a sound that I will never get out of my head from my childhood that has been ruined slightly. Uh, so Wayward plays this lovely, obnoxious revelry to wake everybody up, if you want to go ahead and do it. Which goes, do, 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 do. It's the uh, Tommy summoning the dragon sword from the dragon flute noise. I can never listen to that sound the same way again, because it got hyper overused in this campaign the best thing about that was this session you ask him never to use that again and eventually a fountain gets made wait wait (laughs) you ask him never to use that again well because there was threats that were made regarding it by me and he goes yeah no that i'll i'll totally never use that again and seeker immediately goes oh and john's response is does it count if I had my fingers crossed behind my back? And I went, this one time. This <laughs> one fucking time it does. Uh, but yeah, you, so can that... ne- you can never use that on an oath again. But this one time, because it's for this fucking funny meme that I goddamn love, I will allow it. Um, but he basically... We're not going to get into any more of that. But there was a fountain that was made that any time a coin was thrown into it, it played that, and I outlawed coins from being tossed into that fountain at one point. That never stopped it from coming up again. Yep. Uh, But yeah, he he basically said he had some ideas about the mask, and that's when we found out that Visionary had the mask in his room, uh, which we were not too particularly happy about because we all agreed to leave it in the fucking forge. Um, Or vault. No, vault. Because we Mm -hmm. ended up throwing it in a forge at one point, and then it was also thrown in the vault. Um... so we, uh, Wayward ends up playing the beginning of the first age opera that he has, but nothing really happens with it. The first age opera that is his basically, uh, character arc is a, is basically the, is basically the plot arc of until John leaves the game. Yeah. He was trying Which, to find all these pieces of the opera. There was five parts, weren't there? W- yeah, there were five parts of it, and which I just want to make a side note of. The inspiration for that is John was talking to me at work, because me and John used to work together, about a 7C game that he ran, or that he played in, where that he was this fop-dandy opera performer, like, duelist, hmm. and he wanted to... Um, basically the game got canceled, but the way that the guy said that it was going to be is it was going to be like a bat, uh, the way it was going to end for his character was going to be a battle of the bands in a burning opera house. I mean, we did get at least what, three battles of bands throughout this whole Three battles of the bands and then one battle of the band in a burning opera house. Was it burning? Yes, it was. I don't remember fire. It was definitely there. I distinctly don't it, remember fire, but that's perfectly fine. So, so th- you might not remember fire because, like, oh yeah, I halfway, dips, I dip set the fuck out of there. Uh, one, you dip set the fuck out of there, but also that was that weird session where we ran it on my birthday, and then everyone was super drunk, and then we had to finish up at fucking pink at fucking Waffle House. Yeah, which is John and Craig. You, I think it was just the four of us. You yeah, it was me. just the four of us. Yeah, because uh, Julia passed out and. Jake fucking passed out super yeah, early. Yeah, and I think that was everybody at that and, point that was playing because uh, Devin and Devin Joe had, weren't Devin there. Devin had well. stopped playing. Uh, Joe had stopped playing. Devin had stopped playing, like, I want to say, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And Joe had stopped playing a while ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he plays the first age opera. Nothing really happens. Um, and then Seeker decided to try to put the mask on, which caused a lot of arguments. Whenever this group gets into arguments, they get really in character. It's a GM's wet dream, but also terrifying to deal with outside of, like, when you're LARPing and you expect that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because when the people start standing up at the table and start pointing at each other and yelling, it's really, like, it's a stressful time that 
like you don't know where that the line is because at least when you're LARPing, like you kind of know this shit is gonna happen. People yeah. are getting overexcited. Blah blah blah. Well, and also you're dressed. You're in. You're m- more in character. I would you're say. you're way more in that mindset as opposed to like, hey, Christina's cooking or Joe's cooking for us and. We're all kind of, like, bantering back and forth, and Craig's randomly going off tangent. And... Yeah. But, yeah, there was a big argument about him putting that mask on. I don't think he was going to cut himself. I think he was just going to put it on, because mm-hmm. we knew it fucked with Diego when we just put it on him. So, I think he wanted to see what happens if, like, one of us put it on, because we get a better answer about it. Yep. So, argument ensued. Uh, so, Visionary decided to take the mask and put it in the blast furnace. Uh, and then, you know, Seeker, who was the spy master at this time before I took up the mantle for it, uh, had one of his, what was it, uh, no, we didn't have, he didn't have it taken out yet. Uh, basically one of Seeker's people came and said that there was people that were at the river, uh, being attacked by bandits. So we all right, right, beelined right. down to That's the river. That's what it was. You all were fucking arguing and then someone came in and was like... Hey guys! No, there's some, there's something going on. Yeah, so we all go down to the because r- this I, river because I I had planned for combat to happen this game, but I didn't know when. And then you guys were arguing, and it was just kind of going in circles. And, and it circles. was just a good way to stop. And I just kind of went, okay, I I need to stop this. I need to stop this. Yeah. So we all like beeline down to the river, uh, and we see you know this guy in this red, black, and like white face helmet and he has uh the time i think it was i thought it was a yellow cloak but it's actually a yellow scarf mm-hmm. uh and he's shooting like flames out of his hand because he's got like a fire wand for one hand and he's got this golden skeletal hand for the other and he's like defending the caravan in this semicircle mm-hmm. anybody catch the reference on that one yet yet oh yeah uh, uh, I mean, if you if you want just a straight up re- to know what the reference is, the reference is literally Proto Man. Yeah, congrats if you didn't figure it out in that split second before we told you. Uh, Proto Man is also one of my like. I'm going to heavily reference this in like fucking everything. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of what happened in that battle. I just I know we just steamrolled through it because it was us fighting mortal bandits. Like, that's... I mean, it was a lot of mortal bandits. It still took, like, three rounds. Which, for mortals, Hank, holding out is pretty good. Yeah, I think it's just because we had bad rolls on damage or something like that. I can't remember. But it, we just kind of steamrolled through them, pretty much. Um, and then, uh... Secret... This was the one where I realized that I need to do battle groups for mortals. Yeah. Because... Individual mortals try to take on an individual solar does not end well. Because well, also, it makes the, the combat go way longer than it should. Yeah. Uh, so, then Seeker found out that everyone called this dude... <laughs> wait for it. Dayman. Somewhere. Ah, fighter of the Nightman. Oh, ah. Nightman comes up later, too, by the way. Uh, but his real name was Autonomous Solar Avenging Essence Unit, which I dubbed him as a Seiyu because I like to give reasonable nicknames as opposed to the rest of our group like for k-dop k-jack tree chop lumberjack umbop nickelback yes those were some of the ones it's hard it is for me to say that name sometimes i think i was the only one who never like fucked yeah with yeah that no name. yeah no known solar f- not i was about to say fuck boy not fuck boy fucker of solars like just destroyer of solar worlds Chajop Kajak, the oldest sidereal in existence, got turned into a fucking joke in this campaign by calling him Treetop Lumberjack, Umbop Nickelback, and there's there's another one. Dotar Sojak. <laughs> it was something stupid like that. Like, and you couldn't just say one of them. You had to say like all three of them, which is why I'm depressed. I can't remember what the third one was. But they just, they did that with it was so, Dotar Sojak. they did it with so many names. Uh, I think it was Sajak. Like, uh. Do- Dotar so- Sajak or, or something? something like that. I don't remember. But, like, lots of the names just became ridiculous. Let's come up with them. Let's de-vilify them with the ridiculous name that we can come up with for them so they're not a serious threat in our head. Um, but anyways... 
So, uh, Wayward and I go and talk to the caravan leader, and I'm just gonna read this off, because it was just a slew of nonsense that I was trying to take notes on really quickly. So I'm just gonna read it out, because it's just easier that way. So he mentions that there's a vigilante that helped them, uh, that there were killers, a group of people that call themselves King and Killer Queen, or there was one or two of them. The leader's wife went with the killers and never came back, and they never found a body. People from Look Shy... Uh, King Wars the Man. Don't, I, I, some of my notes don't make sense sometimes. The Queen is sadistic. The King uh, appears to char- in charge. The Queen has her own agenda and is looking for something. Uh, so the Guild moved into a new location in Great Forks and to help unseat the three since traveling men, uh, that have been out for years. Triumphant. Uh, yeah, it was all just really jumbled while I was trying to take notes and still have a conversation. Well, it was really jumbled because the caravan leader for, for this trade from Great, this trade caravan from Great Fork coming to a new city had no idea what the fuck was going on. That's why there's a lot of, like, misinformation thrown into there. Yeah. Um, like... But I was also trying to take notes while being engaged in the conversation. The back and forth, it also made it really jumbled, it, it, it's I think, a, too. It's a really weird, like, back and forth, and there's a lot of jumbled notes. It's like, like I'm looking over it and going, like, what the fuck did I even say during that? And I went, oh, right, these guys don't know what's going on. They're just kind of going off of, like, theory and ideas. Yeah, so Seeker uh, interrogated a bandit... Uh, about who hired him, and he's, you know, resistant at first, uh, but he later tells us that uh, they were shadows, like, there was, there were cloak, there was a cane, uh, ivory, white skin, uh, diminutive, fast talker, they hired the bandits. Okay, 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 I, I know what this is a reference to. Uh-huh. Um, that is a reference to, uh, Throne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I know who it's a reference to, but... For people who don't know who Throne is, it's we'll we'll those, get to Throne eventually. It's just that that was the the snippets that he was able to give us, but basically he hired the bandits and said that he would pay them really well, and he knew this was coming, like this whole situation was coming, and he knew it could happen, like he told him like eight months ago that this was going to happen, and the group had only exalted five months ago, so it's one of those okay, what the fuck is going on situations. Exactly. And so, like, you have the players who know what all the exalt types are out of character, but in character we didn't really know what, like, sidereals and abyssals and infernals and all that shit was. So, in my headspace, somebody knowing something that's going to happen eight months down the line when we haven't even been solars for but five months screams on an out-of-character level to me fucking sidereal abilities. Right. But we didn't know what sidereals so, were, so, so I was just so like, So one of the Ugh. things is to kind of go along with that theme, because Throne gets brought up a lot later. Um, Throne is in that same vein, uh, just to kind of spoil it a little bit, but Throne is in that kind of same vein of, um, of how uh, the Wanderer of Rhodes Long Dead is. Yes. Whereas the wanderer, of, whereas the wanderer gets a very limited control of space time in his general vicinity, throne is all about um, well, throne, precognition. Throne was also kind of the leader esque character throne too. He's the leader of that of of that circle. Yeah, um, but he's also been around he, for a hell of a long time. Too. He's been around for a, for a very long time, but basically, kind of going along that idea of like messing with fate and everything. Yeah. Um, he's the Claire he's the precog of the group. Yeah. He knows when shit's going to happen. Um, so Seeker basically tried to bargain with this bandit to join us and do stuff for us. I don't remember if it was successful or not. It probably was It actually it was, Seeker. was because Seeker bargained with it and then handed him over to Percival and that's where you guys got the Blackwatch Hussars. Oh yeah. Um Percival, as a, uh, a long-term thing that he tried to do, was he was bringing up the Black Watch or the Black Guard. I think it's like Black that. Guard. The Black Guard, um, which were basically I the think. personal, um, the personal guard of Sunshade, and the Hussars were the, um, well, they were the mounted troops. Yeah, because uh, Percival was very militaristic. So he per- Percival did had that. a supernal in war. Yeah, so that was our... He was our Doncast. Like, he played it pretty much to the, the stereotypical 
Doncast. The, the, the only way that he was not a stereotypical Doncast is that he was not a melee or brawl or martial arts yeah, supernal. Yeah, he went more war with it. He went war with it. Which he is had still not bad. It's yeah. still not a bad thing. It's not entirely stereotypical, but it's along the vein of what I would expect a Doncast to do. Right. Um, and so, uh, to go through a couple things a little bit quicker, because we're getting closer to an hour here, uh, so Visionary goes off with a Seiyu and talks to him about stuff and, like, what he is, um, and we found out that the realm accidentally activated a button on top of a city, and, uh, a Seiyu was actually this, our circle in an old incarnation was actually our circle's head of security, and for those that don't know, an assembly is what a group of alchemicals is called. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and back to Wayward to me, we found out that, uh, oh no, we just took all the caravan people back to Sunshade to yep. take care of them. To take care of them and, and then, to make them citizens of Sunshade and yep. traitors and... Yeah, because it was a caravan, like, we were, they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, and that was when I first met Delilah. Um... um. Yeah, so Delilah is the spirit of the ghost waifu of uh, the Wayward Son. Yep. Um, the first waifu. The first waifu. In a series of, like, three or four waifus. John turned that game into waifu collection and Chinese politics. And, I, I th- and Chinese bureaucracy. Ancient Chinese bureaucracy. One of my running game. jokes was I should just have gotten a monster manual for him to choose his next waifu, like a catalog. It, I mean, he had what? He had Delilah. He had Ruby, Ruby Tuesday. Tuesday. He had, I think he had another one. Well, the, he was working on the Baroness. Oh, no, 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 no. He totally actually bought the Baroness off of Joe as an ally. And like. His unofficial but official waifu. John was great in that. In fact, uh, during one of the games at his place, he uh, John's a great uh, uh, sewer. He actually made a uh, life, not life size. size. It wasn't life size, but it was like a a one to two scale model of the Baroness. It was as a pretty, pretty damn good. And gave it a dress, and it was it was fucking adorable. It was great. But we found out the Seiyu was the Soul Steel Assembly member. Oh no, we found out from a Seiyu the Soul Steel Assembly member. Spoiler: Nightman went rogue and sided with the Terrestrials. And we also found out that, was it a Seiyu was Righteous Devil that pushes back the night, or Nightman was Righteous Devil that pushes back the night? Because one of them was that, and then they were technically one of the inventors of it, because they're that old. He's the inventor of okay, Righteous Devil. that's what I thought. I just wasn't positive. Um, and we found, ah, I, if I had just read, like, one line down on my notes, I would have had the answer to that, by the way. Yeah, he, uh, so he... the ex-assembly member practices a more inverse style of Righteous Devil. Uh, and was the metal thing in the sky that killed us in our dreams. Spoiler. Right. Uh, and I also have a note on Autothon there. Just literally just wrote Autothon. Because I think that's when we first found out about that word. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so... And then there's mentions of a bandit king in the south. He's an exile of the Evan Dragon, and I wrote in, like, parentheses, infernal, question yep, mark. that is, <laughs> weirdly, um, the, I believe that it's the Dancer in Green Flame. I didn't realize I'd use Dancer as a... Fuck Dancer. Fuck Dancer. <laughs> that was my villain for, like, the whole campaign. Listen, I gave you the best villain, and I'm so- and... That was, no, he was the perfect villain, but he fucked with me so much man um but yeah so uh the baroness and sunshade actually joined together and they asked to get the defenses up and running uh mainly the statues which were actually the defense system or part of the defense system mm-hmm. those statues that we mentioned last session that were kind of buried in the ground we excavated them up and they were part of the defense system for sunshade which was kind of neat uh and you mentions meeting a guy with a Grand Diclave that was last seen in Sajan, which I can't believe it took us that, like, forever to go to Sajan to check into that. I mean, why would you guys go to Sajan? Sajan is the, is the city of the dead and all of the, uh... The people we've killed or will uh, kill? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and <laughs> the fun part is, which, we said nope to this when it came up, 
because he asked us if we were going to do anything about Thorns and the Mask of Winters. We noped out of that pretty fucking quick, because Devin and I are both like, fuck Thorns. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Uh, the, and the, Mask the, of Winters does come up a lot later. There's gonna be a, there's gonna have to be a point where that we where that I get to just re not relive but retell the story of, of them going to, to to Thorns because it is hard. Like, that is one of the other sessions that I was not able to be there. I think I was because we I was at Gen Con. I think when the house thing happened because Devin and I went. And I think you guys just couldn't make it to the no the Thorns thing was a mini session that I ran with John and Craig. And Julia. And Julia. But I, I think there's a reason Deb and I couldn't be there. I think I was sick or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Or we had something planned. But uh, I know it was one of the sessions. Maybe it fell on like an anniversary or something. I don't, I don't remember. Um, so while uh, the boys are, I have argue, talk, discuss goals because there's always arguing um, when we have talks or discussions. It's just how this works. Um... There for like our individual and our group goals and things like that. I go and talk to the Baroness about a comment that she had made earlier, which isn't in the notes, but this part is in the notes. It's just a fun little aside thing, um, which shows how awful we were in our performer incarnations. But I go to talk to the Baroness about a comment she made about Seeker and me because Seeker and Storm were together in this. Uh, if I didn't mention that before, she made a comment about how it's we so were. nice that you two continue to find each other. Throughout each past incarnation. And you guys are getting to... You, it was... I think it was... I'm glad to see that you guys are getting along better this time around. Or something along that That sounds right. Um, but I... Because it even had... She made a comment about Seeker and me getting along this time around. So apparently we were together in a past incarnation. But Lunar's got in the way for each of us. And so last incarnation... Uh, I killed Seeker's Lunar mate. And possibly might have slept in their skin or body. I had that note in there, but I'm not sure how yeah, accurate yeah, that yeah, is because yeah, there's yeah, a question yeah, mark yeah, after that, it. That sounds right. Your past incarnations were fucked up. And then uh, Seeker went on a rampage that even the Baroness thought was excessive, apparently. So, <laughs> Which is saying a lot for the Baroness. Yeah. Who, yes, who, who yes serves everything. Yeah. Uh, so... Visionary argues with the others about wanting to live a quiet life, and he never really wanted to exalt. Uh, that Which can't... is the most non-solar thing ever. You exalt as a solar because you're fucking heroic. Yeah, you... you don't exalt... The, the Unconquered Sun souls do not pick out weak-willed souls. They pick out people who are strong and can... I don't remember if we mentioned this before or not, but you basically exalt through doing some kind of ridiculous thing or some ridiculous circumstance uh i know a snippet of seekers was like something to do with his family and not wanting to do things the way his family wanted or whatever mm -hmm. and like attack his father attacked him or whatever and he ended up exalting during the middle of the yeah, fight yeah, and murdering yeah, yeah. all of them mm -hmm. and then mine was like i said i was assassin for hire a storm and my one rule was i will not kill children and I got sent on an assignment to murder a family, and there was children. I went back, and I was like, I'm not fucking doing this. And they're like, well, if you won't do it, then you need to die, because you know too much type of thing. Yep, and so I they tried to kill me, and I exalt and murder them. And I was like, well, I'm a soul. I need to get the fuck out of town. And I ran into Seeker along the way, who was a mark on my list. And when I saw him, it was kind of that love at first sight bullshit, and we got out of look shy together. Um, but yeah... And during this argument about Visionary wanting to live a quiet life, the Baroness kind of gets frustrated and grabs Visionary's shoulder while kind of trying to calm him down, not being, like, malicious or anything, because the Baroness isn't malicious towards us. As we said, she's our yes-man. And so Visionary decides he's going to exert his dominance and uh, basically, like, points at her and just like, you don't touch me. You are a servant. How dare you talk back type of stuff. And so she apologizes and kind of slinks off. And Storm, having kind of this maternal instinct and maternal intimacy, uh, goes off and tries to comfort her and talk to her while the boys keep arguing and discussing things. And uh, Baroness just, like, she just slinked off and she was lizard sobbing in the hallway. Like, come on, man. She's, yeah, our, no, she's he, our little, she's our little she, cinnamon roll lizard 
raptor lady. You don't fuck with her. She was supposed to be his ally from a former wife who who yes-manned him all the way to the end. And he just mistreated her. After, I think, me showing you guys a vision of your former wife where they everyone mistreated her. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh no, I can't believe we did that. And then Joe, like, or Visionary was just, he, he still, like, he wasn't, like, beating her with a stick. But, like... He wasn't treating her like someone who basically ingratiates themselves. Like, she basically was just, like, all about us, and he didn't always treat her great. And the rest of us treated her a lot better than that, especially, like, Wayward and Storm. Mm-hmm. So, I ended up getting an intimacy towards her and being like, she's my cinnamon roll, like, I'm protective mm-hmm. of her. Exactly. So, and that's, you know, like I said, we could you can and gain I... intimacies, and I role-played, like, interacting with her, getting to know her, because... Like, she's supposed to have been serving us for all our incarnations, so there's got to be some reason we trust her with this shit. Um, but pretty much the last thing for that session was Seeker made a big speech to new arrivals about the rules and the boundaries, which are very important to keep note of because things come up later for people who actually disrespected us and our rules. And that caused a fun argument. And I think uh, since we're at an hour, that's a great part to leave it on. Right, so um, just as a just to kind of keep this uh, trend going with, uh, I guess closing notes. Is there anything you have to say, Christina? Uh, ask us questions on Twitter because no one did after the last session, and we would like to answer questions. Ask us questions on Twitter if you're listening to this. Even if it's dumb questions, we will answer the we will answer questions at the end. I would love to do that. Um, just if you have us on Facebook, ask us. If you don't, uh, the the Twitter is at a pair of dice lost. Um, we're gonna be putting this up pretty soon, and probably do a second episode, maybe the same night. I'm down with doing more. I just we're not gonna put them up one right after the other. I don't think though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Give you guys a little bit of a break from us. I'm sure yeah, you all yeah, enjoy no. that. Give give me a little bit of a break to stand up and uh, stretch a little bit. Also, because I think Julie is coming home soon. Um, yes, and we wanted to get through three sessions, but we kind of got derailed and only got through two. So the next one will be on our fourth session, and then the fifth session is actually where Julia joined the campaign as a talisman. And the best joke ever happens. Yeah, so Julia actually should be home soon, and we might be able to get her to jump in a little bit when uh, Talisman actually jumps in. But we'll see what happens. So. All right. So from uh, Brendan. And Christina. At A Pair of Dice Lost. Um, let the good dice roll. Hey, you got it this time. Hell Congrats. Yeah.